We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, LightYears listeners? We're excited to invite you to the official LightYears slash Warriors World Draft Party, July 29th at Standard Deviant Brewery in San Francisco. Our first official show post-pandemic, food, drinks, real-time draft analysis, Q&As, special guests, free merch giveaways. And remember, your first drink is on us with a ticket purchase. We are excited and can't wait to see you there. Info to purchase tickets can be found on our social feeds and official LightYears link tree. Welcome to the Light Years Podcast, Draft Week. It is officially here, Andy Lou, and in honor of the draft, we have to bring Always. on our most requested draft expert. He's like our closer, Sam. Yeah. This, is, uh, he is. this is uh, not like Kenley Jansen for the <laughs> no, no. Dodgers the last <laughs> couple nice. of games against your Giants. But um, oh, no. yeah, Sam, Sam Vecini of The Athletic, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that the the fans of the Light Years podcast have requested. I'm glad to hear uh, from you guys. It's always fun to hop on and chat about random Warriors bullshit because so much of it uh, this time of year ends up being just that with them. Is is the are the Warriors the most chatted about, rumored about team in the NBA? And if not, who is higher on that list? At this time, I, year, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this time of the year. Yeah, I think the last few years, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, I, I, like, no question in my mind. If only because they have the real assets to, like, actually make moves. And, and like, let's just be real about it. Like, people in that front office, like, they'll they'll talk a bit, right? Like, it's, you know, off the record totally. And, like, they're willing to have conversations, though. and. It's great, but they, they do. And uh, I think that that leads to some. You're, you're actually a great person to to ask this for because Andy and I are, you know, relatively aware of like the Warriors happenings, but I'm not talking to people around other NBA teams. You have a national perspective. So when you say they're willing sure. to talk, are we saying like top five to 10 teams in the league in terms of? Uh, easiest to talk to because like I, I would say like someone like OKC is probably on the other end of the spectrum in yeah. terms of yeah, yeah, yeah. very hard to get anyone to tell you anything to even tell you like what day of the week it is yes I, I would say up there I'll go with um I don't talk to the Warriors a crazy amount personally sure. um like not more than like you know a few other teams right but i do just know that they consistently talk to everyone else and news filters down to me that way uh and it's like i don't even have to like try to cultivate real relationships because i kind of have like a feel of what's going on with the warriors (laughs) yeah absolutely um so that's that's actually a perfect segue for um so Thursday, uh, your colleague at The Athletic, Marcus Thompson, reported that the Warriors' core three players want veteran help, which, you know, 
we all knew. Uh, but the name Bradley Beal came up as a preferred target that they would like yeah, the no, notice, to pursue. Notice how this stuff, other stuff, like doesn't get reported other than with the Warriors, right? Like their <laughs> preferred target is Bradley Beal. Like no shit. Everyone wants Bradley Beal, right? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. Like it's fine. I think the Warriors are like an incredibly well-run organization. Sure. It's just that they, they talk and it's fine. You know, they, I mean, Joe Lacob does like to speak things into existence. So maybe it's kind of a whole like organizational ethos. We'll speak it into existence. It's, it's worked pretty well for them over the past decade. Yeah, totally. Like it's, it's not a bad thing at all. It's, it's fine, you know, but like, look, there's a reason that everyone knew that they were taking James Wiseman last year at a certain point. Right. So, so tying the two points together, um, we kind of, they were looking at trade options last year. Last year is the weirdest year ever with COVID and the draft in November, they ended up not making a trade and taking James Wiseman. This year, it's all the same talk in the lead up to the draft. What are they going to do with the seven and 14? Are they going to trade it? Steph Curry's 33. There's some obvious stuff there. Do you think it's more likely that they end up trading these picks by draft night? Or are you still kind of, are you in the, eh, probably not going to happen camp? That's a very difficult question. <laughs> uh, that's a, it's a great starter for me. Right. Yes. Like just fucking putting me on the hot stove, like immediately. Um, I think it's more likely that they keep the picks if only because while the Bradley Beal thing, you know, has been reported by Marcus, who I'm sure has it. And Marcus is phenomenal. Like maybe the best beat reporter in the country for God's sake. Like Facts. the fact that, it's out there would make me think that the wizards are going to have to do something of an accounting. And the fact that there has not yet been like a true follow-up kind of makes me think that like on the wizards end, I mean, right. Makes me think that they can like make this work still. And that like, they can continue down the road. And like you hear, like, I, I think that who did Mark Spears report something about Westbrook? as well i think so i think it was spears yeah so like look the the smoke is there and i think the beal is like a real domino that will shift the marketplace because i think a lot of teams right now are hoarding assets to potentially get in the mix for like a superstar player and there is a sense that just logically because of the wizards not being anywhere near contending for a title while Bradley Beal's contract continues to run. Right. I think that there is a sense that Bradley Beal is the next guy. Now I think at the end of the day for them to move Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal would have to go in and request to be moved like to ownership. So until that happens, I I just don't know what's, What's that like? What's worth and that's, reporting? Like, I don't know. Not like worth reporting. I think and, it's interesting the Warriors want him, but like, I just don't know how likely any of this is. You know, at but least we, also, we almost like yeah. That's the thing. And we also yeah. Sam said it. They've got a timeline of, in my opinion, six days here uh, before mm-hmm. that has to happen. Because what you're gonna maybe pick for Washington and hope Kaminga drops to you because. You're assuming that's the highest upside guy so that you can flip them later. Like, I don't like, is but there going to the be way, a though, handshake agreement? Yeah. Does Washington want Kaminga? Right. I'm just assuming right? that's Rui that, and yeah. Denny the last two years. Yeah, like, even so, right? the same like, role. it's crazy. And that's sort my of, guy. yeah, I was going to say that that's kind of what makes it tough for the Warriors. It's like, how do you deal with the number seven pick? If you have an eye on, let, let's just say you think, Bradley Beal is going to request out sometime before the season starts. Do you draft someone just banking on that happening? Uh, thinking that it's a player, the wizards like, yep, and yep, yep. if it doesn't happen, maybe you're not drafting the guy you like the most, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. Like, yeah. I don't even know how, how, how do you think the Warriors even going to attack the number seven pick at this point with the idea that they will, if a player of Bradley Beal's caliber, um, fixated on his name because of Marcus's reporting, but it could be someone else comes up. How do, how does that come into their calculus with picking number seven? 
you, you have to take the guy that you're most comfortable with at the end of the day. Like you can't base it off of what you think another team feels because at the end of the day, if this falls through, which let's be like transparent here, it probably will fall through because at the end of the day, the Warriors do not have the best offer for Bradley Beal. The 76ers have the best offer for Bradley Beal if they include Ben Simmons. So at the end of the day, I think that you need to take the guy that is going to fit best in your scheme and thus will retain the most trade value going forward so that down the road, this guy you know becomes a star within your scheme that you want, right? So it's a tricky, it's a tricky call. I, I get why it is a real conversation. It is a real conversation, but I, you have to take the guy that you just think fits best at the end of the day. Like you, you can't, you can't be worried about like if the wizards have Josh Giddy at 15 on their board, as opposed to, you know, five on their board. Right. Yeah. And then, then that becomes, I mean, it becomes impossible. Like what do we, then the, you're not really doing your job the right way. Now you do have, um, you do have the Warriors interested in the guy that I think that is Sam and I's favorite prospect mm-hmm. at that position. Um, he just seems like maybe not the best quote unquote fit. James Booknight is who we're yeah. talking about right now. Who you had in your most. Oh, recent. you guys, are, you guys have jumped on the Booknight train. <laughs> Sam got me hooked onto it. I think he has a lot of other favorite players as well, but I think he's someone that I've... I think from a Warriors perspective, they, they need his level of playmaking scoring upside for the future and i don't know someone who gets to the rim i don't know (laughs) yeah Yeah. i don't know if maybe that's a larger stretch for someone like moses moody and davion mitchell i i I think so that may be the best guy but that's why we have you on who actually knows these type of things so it's an interesting decision right I, i like book night quite a bit for them i personally if it was me on the board at number seven and jonathan kaminga is there i i would probably take the upside of Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, I have him graded ahead of Scotty Barnes. I think that like there is a thing happening like 10% right now where people are overthinking it with Kaminga just a little bit, just a little bit. Like I, I understand the concerns. What are valid. the, he, what are the concerns? Because he's been the, I kind of thought he was a lock to, to be like fifth, you know, like after the, you know, Jalen green, Evan Mobley, Cade group, it was going to be him and Jalen Suggs in some order. And now it seems like he's the guy who, who may fall. So, yeah, I, I would say that the concerns are that he was a very inattentive, inactive defender this year with the ignite. If you go back and watch that tape, it's pretty bad. Like, uh, let's just be kind of transparent about it. it. It did not look good. Second, I mean, he shot 29% from three this year. And the way that I would explain it is I don't think the mechanics look terrible. I think that they look okay, which means one of two things. And you're going to get two drastically different conclusions based off of those two things. You could come away thinking, okay, this is fixable, right? Like we, we could make this work. Or you're going to come away thinking, well, the mechanics look okay already. And he still shot the ball like shit. What do we fix? Like, can he just maybe not shoot? So does he each not team have touch? Kinda, yeah. yeah. Like each team comes away feeling quite differently about the shot. I think he's probably going to shoot it from a standstill. I'm a little bit worried about like pull up shit. Like I'm not really a buyer of him in the, oh my God, he's Jalen Brown. Like comparison. I don't really think he's that. I don't think he's that explosive athletically in comparison to Jalen. I don't think that he's going to be quite the pull-up shooter that Jalen has developed into, if only because Jalen is like an outlier worker who has had outlier improvement upon that skill set within his game. I think it's probably more likely that he's something like a Harrison Barnes. And honestly, like I'm good with that at like six or seven. At the end of the day. I mean, you could also Harrison Barnes at seven. Literally, the Warriors did that already. Their last right. number seven pick was Harrison Barnes at number right. seven. <laughs> so, I did like, not see I, that coming. I, look, I would take that if I was there. Like, I would take Jonathan Kaminga at seven if he's there. My next pick personally would be Moses Moody, but I have him in book night like a toss up. You know what I mean in terms of what I would personally do? You're, you're saying book night and Moody is a toss up for you? Yeah. Not, yeah. not Kaminga. Okay. 
No, I, I would take Kuminga. I have him in a different tier than those guys. Got it. So if Kuminga falls, and that's kind of where Andy and I, I think, have been at. Like, if he falls, the upside is just, yeah, it's another project. Ideally, you're not taking a guy who's as raw as him in, in some aspects. But on the other hand, do you really want him to go one one or two pick after you and like in two years look like a potential stud? You know? I do get all that, and I think it's valid. My bet would be, hey, we just held Andrew Wiggins accountable this past year and made him into a legitimate plus defender. Like he's not like an all defense guy necessarily, but he is a genuine like plus on the defensive end now in a way that he was better on the defensive end than the offensive end last year. Like he was legitimately good. You could stick him on the other team's best perimeter player and he'd do a good job. Yes. So at the end of the day, I would trust my team's culture, given that we have a proven track record of being able to hold guys accountable and being able to hold guys, uh, strongly within our culture toward the defensive end of the court. Like, look, it, it didn't work with Kelly Oubre this year necessarily. So there are two uh, differing things there in terms of track record, but I would trust that a 18, 19 year old kid is going to come in and listen to Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, I, Steve Kerr, and like be willing to really defend and be in the right spaces. I also feel that way, you know, two things. Number one, to me, Kaminga probably has the most trade value if you're looking to trade him after, whether it be to Indiana, Philly, or not Philly, but actually could be Philly, uh, Toronto, whomever. And then the other thing is, the to go backwards a little bit on Bradley Beal, that's a guy that you feel like you can coach him up to play better defense. Like, that's that's the thing where people say, if he doesn't play defense, that didn't make sense to me because isn't that the point of of what the Warriors are great at? They're great at developing defense. Yeah. Yeah. No, like the, the people who say like Bradley Beal is the worst defender in the NBA. I think that he has been among the most ineffective defenders in the NBA the last two years. I don't think that that makes someone the worst defender in the NBA. It just means that he was not particularly engaged defensively in that specific situation. It doesn't mean that it would stay the same. It reminds a different situation. It reminds me in on some level of like uh, James Harden, where he got a reputation for being terrible on defense, largely because we constantly see the viral clips of him just standing there and right. doing nothing. But then the roster changes. You bring in Chris Paul, PJ Tucker, bring in sense of defensive accountability. And I mean, they were the second best defense in the NBA during those years to the Warriors and at times just as good as them. And you just can't be a terrible defender and hang in a unit that can defend that well. I kind of view Bradley Beal, like particularly on the wizard situation where it's like, we need you to get 35 for us to have a chance. I mean, he was basically a DH the last two years. Let's be honest about it. Like it was, I'm going to conserve my effort on defense because I'm taking 25 shots and creating everything. No, I think that that's basically right. I think that if you put him into a different circumstance, he's going to be fine defensively. Like he might not be, I don't know. He might not be some like 90th percentile plus defender, right? Or even like a 75th percentile plus defender. My guess is he's probably going to be pretty close to league average or like slightly below league average defensively if you put him into a spot where he matters. Like look at Devin Booker this year, like Bradley Beal early in his career showed a way higher level defensively than Devin Booker at any point early in his career. I think that it's going to be fine. If you put Bradley Beal into a better defensive circumstance that says, Hey, we don't need you to go get 35 a night. You can go get 20 efficiently. Just give us some effort defensively. I feel like Booker this year should I was I was hoping it would make people reconsider labels they give to players in bad situations because it's the textbook. Oh, he's not a winning player. He's just looking to score 50, doesn't make other players better, doesn't try defensively. All of a sudden, the team around him changes and they're in the finals. And I don't think anyone was saying that about what they were seeing him doing in the playoffs. No, I think that's right. I think that these... I think people overreact to the situation at hand oftentimes and don't really give a proper 
accounting of the context that these players are thrust into. Um, and by the way, like, I think that that stands for James Wiseman as well as we're talking about this, like James Wiseman was asked to do a shit ton last year as a teenager who had played like three basketball games in 18 months. I, I, that's a lot for a kid to have on his plate as a teenager, as a 20 year old in the NBA. I think that if they simplify the role this year, he's probably going to look pretty damn good. Yeah. And that's kind of something Andy and I were hope. I mean, that's the hope with the changes they've made to the coaching staff, uh, development yeah. coaches coming in, um, and then also bringing Kenny Atkinson to kind of challenge Steve Kerr a little bit. Maybe it'll be easier to get a young guy up to speed in a smaller role than just, I mean, let's be real. They threw Wiseman into what they've been doing in the past, which is a lot of yeah. read and react, which is fine for a guy who's 28, not so great for a guy who's 18. So, and, and like James Wiseman's really smart, like, very high intelligence human being. And I think that they probably thought like, Hey, like this guy yeah. is going to be fine. Like we can just have him like, he'll figure like, it out. Give him 10 thing. games. Yeah. Yeah. He'll, he'll be good. They thought he was LeBron is what they did. <laughs> but it's like, what just the hell? Like, come on, man. Like 19 years old against grown men out there. Like, and, and, and yeah. the craziest part is he looked great against the best against KD and, and then Giannis. Like that's the craziest part, not directly against those guys, but, um, we, we can go to Wiseman. I realized it took us off the path, Sam, but we're going to go back to Book Knight and Moody because yeah, yeah, you yeah. mentioned those guys on the same tier for you. And I think, do you think the Warriors have those guys in the same tier? Moody and Book Knight? Yeah, as the two guys that, hey, if these are the guys, you know, Suggs is gone. We're Barnes assuming Kuminga doesn't drop. These are kind of guys the guys they're looking at. I, I don't know about tiers necessarily. Sure. I, I mean, the impression I've gotten is that they would prefer book night. I, I don't know that to be true necessarily. I can only go off of like, you know, the impressions that I've gotten from talking to people around the league. Um, I know they just really like book night. I, I've heard they also really like Moody. I, I mean, I can't tell you like in terms of how far the difference is between those two players. Right. Um, do do I think there's by the way. Yeah. Two drastically different players, but two guys that are like good at basketball uh, in very different ways. I think it says that they understand and recognize the need for more perimeter help and more versatile perimeter players who can create shots. And uh, you know, they'll figure out how to make it work with the other draft pick or with other further moves. But like you can, you can make both of those guys fit based off of where the Warriors are uh, in terms of their uh, roster building construction. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So I have a specific question for each of them, and I just wanted to pick your brain on it. I, I think I side with you and most people in the draft that I'm not concerned about Book Knight's ability to shoot the ball. Uh, yeah. I may be a little super concerned about his shot selection, but I'm not concerned about his ability to shoot the ball. My question with him is playmaking. Um, yeah. Where are you with him as a playmaker? Is do you do you think it's a function of just being on an awful team where it all fell on his shoulder? Or are there some very real concerns that he is just tunnel vision? He's just an out-and-out scorer who's probably never going to get his teammates all that involved. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the uh, that's the question. This is like the <laughs> PhD level draft question, right? Right. Because it's honestly there. I don't think we have any evidence of him having been a high level distributor. Period. Like there, there's there is nothing on tape that says he has been a great distributor. I, I can tell you that, like, I know that. Like the coaches told him, Hey, you have to go out and get 20, 20 plus for us each night, because we just don't have the firepower. Like you need to go create for us every night. We have one other guy who can create a shot other than you. And you are by far the best creator of that uh, offense for us. So we need you to do your thing. He also misses a lot of reads. Like it, it is what it is. He misses open guys consistently. If you watch the tape. Do I think that like that is a function of mindset where Connecticut staff told him we need you to go get a bucket so he's not making those passing reads? Or do I think it's a function of he doesn't see those passing reads? I don't know. Like that's that's not a question that I can answer. I can tell you that like people who've been around in pre-draft say that they think he can make plays and distribute. How much of that to believe? I, I don't know. but. Part of me wants to think that he can at least get to like a non-disaster level in terms of playmaking. Like right. that's I, where you need him to get to. You need I, him to get to like, okay, if he's if there is a cross corner kick out that's wide open with a plus shooter, right. like if Clay Thompson is freaking open with a cross corner kick out for some ungodly reason, please for the love of God make that pass to Clay Thompson. Yeah, right. like. That's where I think he needs to get to. And I think he will. Like everyone that I talk to says like very high level, uh, like people person kid, like loves his teammates, like likes being around people, like not a selfish guy by any stretch of the imagination. Um, And then on top of that, like a guy that does watch a lot of film and like really tries to improve his game. So I am a believer in James Booknight. I really like him. I think he's like like anyone who's like saying like Jordan Clarkson. Like I, I think he's better than Jordan Clarkson. Um, I understand where that comparison comes from, but I, I think he's better than that guy. Uh, I, I just I want to buy it. Like I, I right. given everything that I know, like I just kind of want to buy it. But if you're looking for evidence, like evidence based on game tape that exists evidence based on numbers evidence based on uh any tangible thing that you're looking for as a um draft evaluator it doesn't really exist it's a feel thing like this is why the draft is like an art it's not a science at the end of the day like you, you would have never i would have never bet in a million years that zach levine would have averaged five assists in a game well, that's <laughs> that's a good comp by the way i think a lot of people maybe that's not a good hope. comp but that is a comp that people see for book night um, as someone that's a score or, or the developmental hope going from kind even, of someone, even Jordan Clarkson, the way you're saying like Jordan Clarkson year one, two, three was just rough. Like there's no, like I, people are writing, like if you draft book night, he's maybe someone that you can play off the bench and give you some scoring. I doubt it. Like not in year one, maybe cool, but like, I really doubt that it's going to lead to winning. If he gives you something off the bench, it's going to be something that's more volume based rather than like, yeah. oh, this yeah. is going to help you win basketball games. Now that's the segue to Moses Moody versus someone that is probably, do you agree, Sam, that he's going to be more likely to influence winning in the first few years of his career? Cause he's long enough and he's a better shooter, at least spot up shooter. He's not going to want to do all this stuff that book night wants to do. So maybe he's the guy there. And then he still has a fair amount of ceiling is what people say. So Moody, I would say, do I think he's more likely to contribute to winning? Like Moses Moody is a teenager guys. <laughs> like it's, God, it's he's really hard to forget that. Like we, we know that his game looks so projectable early on. It really does. Like I buy that totally. I think you guys are right that it looks projectable. But man, like it, it takes teenagers time to play in the NBA. Like even guys that have like, this has been Moses Moody's role for a long time, by the way, like he was essentially the role that he play. He will play next year in the NBA as like a spot shooter defender. That's literally what he did in high school, which is hilarious. Right. Because he's like a top 10 pick. potentially. Yeah, that's crazy. That was a 
basically a spot up guy in high school because he played with freaking Cade Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, and Daron Sharp. Like, and Caleb Houston, by the way, who's going to be like a top 10 pick next year. So it's his stack low, stack low high school team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that, is like that potential best. in disguise? Is that potential in disguise where maybe there's more there? There's a reason why he's ranked so highly. He's just never showed it. Oh, I, I think in terms that, of off the ball, off the dribble stuff. Look, I, I've been that I've been there the whole year. Like I had him ranked at like 15 in the preseason, despite the fact that he was, I think he was like the 40th best recruit in the country, like something like that. Like it was bananas, like how low he was in terms of like the RSCI or the you know composite 24-7 sports rating. Um like I thought it was crazy that he was that low because I did see like some of the nascent like ability to be able to make some plays off the bounce. And then at Arkansas this year, he showed that like he was the centerpiece of their offense. Like he was trying to, he was attacking closeouts and getting into the paint and hitting those like, you know, 16 foot pull up relocation jumpers. He was uh, able to knock down catch and shoot threes, obviously, but he had like a little mini floater game. Like there, he had a lot of different shit that he was able to do to get to his spots in the way that he needed to i kind of think that people are underrating the shot creation aspect of moses moody's game and and like the upside of that to an extent yeah he's not a crazy athlete but he gets to his spots he has a really high release point and he's really a shooter in a league that really values shooting like this is why i have i have moses moody at seven like i'm really high on moody uh because i think people are just like kind of underrating how difficult it is to be a high level shot creator with some craft as a teenager and then like where those guys develop going forward his highlights also aren't as cool as as the other guys i'm gonna be i'm just gonna be the the <laughs> the guy here like his highlights little, are not as it's, cool it's a little boring it's like <laughs> yeah. right it's just not as cool like it just from a mass fan perspective and i always like to take that perspective but well, from and, a win- and by the way though like nba yeah. teams care about that stuff like they <laughs> they care about like the high level like crazy you gotta flashes. sell that you gotta sell your team yeah well it's not yeah. even selling your team it's into the future, this guy is 19 years old right now, 20 years old. We're drafting kids that are totally unfinished products. Do we think that they can make those crazy high-level flashes consistent going forward? Can we build them up to where those flashes don't become flashes anymore? They become the thing that just happens, right? Uh, so I think that they do care about those flashes in a real way, but you know what? Fucking Chris Middleton's the least flashy dude that you'll find in the NBA and that shit works. Like, (laughs) I mean, I don't think he's Chris Middleton, but I think Moses Moody has some real upside is like a relocation shot creator who can maybe take some ball screens, who can maybe um, act as a secondary playmaker. The other name you mentioned in your most recent mock, I think it was your most recent mock was uh, with relation to the Warriors was uh, Josh Giddy. Yeah. That's someone uh, Andy and I haven't talked about very much. Um, had a really good game for Australia when the Warriors were there in Vegas against Nigeria. Um, it was a blowout, but still, uh, he he definitely showed you know kind of why he's risen up draft boards. Do you think he's in play for the Warriors at seven? Um, and can you kind of just tell us about his game because? Just being frank, I highly doubt most of our uh, listeners watch NBL all that often. Yeah, so luckily I'm over here. I think I'm probably one of like, you know, five or six like serious evaluators who got to see him this year, like people who, um, you know, do this for like the NBA standard, right? Um, Do I think he's, let me answer the first question first. Do I think that he's in the mix for the Warriors at seven? I would say he's someone that, I think the Warriors have real genuine interest in. I mean, like, do I think it's at seven over Booknight and Moody? I, I don't know. I like the way that he would Got rank it. compared to Moody specifically, right? Um, you know, I, I can't, I can't answer that. But I do think that there's genuine interest there for sure. Um, in, in the case of what his game looks like, so this. This year, he played for the Adelaide 36ers. He was a next star, right, which was the uh, same program that R.J. Hampton and LaMelo Ball were in last year's first-round picks. 
He averaged numbers that were very similar to LaMelo Ball in terms of production. Uh, it was like 11.7 rebounds, seven assists. He actually led the NBL in assists this year. Very high level passer, excellent live dribble, sees every single pass on the court, phenomenal vision, um, really good execution, very creative mindset when it comes to making plays and passing. Where he falls short with LaMelo and why he's not, you know, consensus number one on my board, right? Which is where I had LaMelo last year. He's just not that ball handler, right? Like the creativity breaking down opposing defenders uh, on an island or in a ball screen. That's just not there yet, right? That's fine. He can be really good and really effective. I actually see him, you know, everyone's like bringing up the LaMelo comparison because Australia, similar numbers, everything like that. I think he's a lot closer to Lonzo actually in terms of overall game and the way that his game plays itself out on the court. Like using the pass over the dribble in terms of that's, that's advantage pass it ahead before someone presses you, et cetera. Yeah. The hit ahead pass. That's a big part of his game. Also, he's a guy that rebounds really well, who you're going to want to have push the break. You're going to want to have him grab and go. You're going to want to have him be your transition point guard. But when the game slows down and you're in half court settings, I think you're going to want a second creator out there. I think in a half court setting, you're going to want Josh Giddy to be your secondary playmaker, not necessarily your primary. And you look at the way that the Pelicans operated this year offensively. We're actually pretty successful offensively this year. Zion Williamson was running a lot of their half court sets. Like he was initiating right. a large portion of their half court sets. Brandon Ingram was also initiating a large portion of their half court sets. Uh, it was like Lonzo was probably the third guy initiating uh, their half court action specifically. So that's more where I see Josh Giddy fitting in. Like you can call that guy a point guard. You cannot call him a point guard. I don't really care what the positional designation is, but you want someone out there with him who can be a primary playmaker in the half court and let him kind of run the show defensively uh, in or offensively in like transition actions and kind of let his exceptional feel for the game as a teenager take over. Another player who did he shoot 29% from three, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, No, not, not a great number from three has real touch. It needs to work on like a few mechanical flaws. Like I think he has like an occasional like elbow flare that it seems like he's really focusing in on trying to fix. Okay. Um, has like a weird split legged kind of finish to the jumper sometimes, especially whenever he's going forward, uh, like using forward momentum to take the shot. You know, I, I think he needs to like just generally improve his like shooting balance, just a touch like a little bit, but all of it's fixable. Like I think Josh Giddy's going to shoot at least at like a 37, like 36, 37% clip from three, which is probably enough for him to be effective to get on the court. That really is like Lonzo. <laughs> yeah, okay. That makes sense. Do you do you get the idea that either Giddy or Moody, I'm gonna take book now of this, will fall to the to 14? Or is that just unrealistic for Warriors fans? I would be stunned if Giddy got there just based off of the feedback I've gotten. Okay. Um, like I, I can't see him getting past like 12 and 13 if he was to get there. Spurs and Pacers. Um, yeah. yeah, like I, I would be surprised if he got past those. Maybe, uh, maybe that's a better way to phrase it, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Moody is a little bit more all over the map to the point where, like, I wouldn't rule it out. I, I would be very surprised if he got there. But wouldn't, like, wouldn't bet on it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, I would certainly wouldn't bet on it. Um, yeah, I think his over under is like 11 and a half, 12 and a half, something like that. Um, I would bet the, oh, I think that's a pretty good number. I think I would bet the under on it, but it's, yeah, like more of a chance he gets to 14 than Giddy, I would say. Got it. Let's talk some guys. So, like, I, I have like Moody higher on my board personally. No, it makes sense. I, I didn't think any of those guys were likely to but, fall to fourteen, but I felt it was worth asking. And then the and the crazy part is, I don't know, is that Josh Giddy is actually younger. 
than yeah. the guy that we had. like. It's crazy. It's just he's just eighteen. Like, but but Sam wants to talk about. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just say with Josh, like Please anyone I've yeah, ever spoken to about him, the most like professional demeanor, like incredibly. Where's the um, suit to interviews? What did you say? <laughs> Where's the suit to interviews? Does not wear. I don't know if he wears. Suit <laughs> I, it's a Steve Kerr. I feel like Steve Kerr likes Giddy. That that's just all I was trying to get. I feel like Steve, just the way he plays. And, and now you're about to tell me he's professional. Holds the door open. The suit just to just to bring you in on the joke. Uh, multiple draft picks. The Warriors. You know they love to talk about how they wore a suit and they were so professional as like an Harrison anecdotal Barnes. thing. So it's now just turned into a running joke. Like, ooh, didn't wear a suit to the interview. They're ooh. not going to draft him. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> I, I mean, I I don't know if he was wearing a suit, but like, change your, I'll say change this, your like, draft board. Josh Giddy's like a huge sneakerhead. Like I would bet you he's wearing some fire Jordans or some shit in that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, 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 maybe Kyle Shanahan would like that. That that'd be his guy. <laughs> um, but but we gotta talk about fourteen and that, and so it felt like a month ago. We or two weeks ago, whatever it was, Davion Mitchell was the guy at seven. Like that was the name. He might be there, he might be there. With a week left to go in the draft, now it's oh Davion Mitchell might be there at 14. Like he might be who the Warriors pick at 14 now. Yeah. And he seems likely to be there. Same with Chris Duarte, who you have the Warriors picking, which makes a lot of sense. But uh yeah, talk talk us through some of those guys because these guys look like they're ready to play basketball in the NBA right now. Yeah. So uh, Duarte, it's interesting. I, I don't don't get the impression that like the Mitchell stuff was coming from like the decision makers with the Warriors. Do you guys kind of get that impression? Yeah. The Mitchell stuff seemed a lot to me like um, Warriors want win now player. He's the most win. It it, it felt like people connecting dots without that actually being the truth of the matter. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I've gotten. It's not that like I, I think they dislike him. Like I, I don't, I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah. Um, but but the thing that I've kind of been saying from the jump with Don Davion Mitchell is that his range is wider than what people think. Like, and it always has been. As soon as the draft order got finalized, and the reason for that is you just go through the order, right? Like, at number eight, the Orlando Magic, or the Orlando Magic really going to take a point guard at number eight when they already have Cole Anthony, who they took last year, RJ Hampton, who they traded for this year and who I think that they think has some like real lead guard tendencies at least, or like primary ball handler tendencies. Um, And then they have Markel Fultz returning from injury and they really like Markel Fultz as well. I, I don't really see that necessarily. Sacramento at nine. They just took Tyrese Halliburton last year and just gave De'Aaron Fox a boatload of money. Like, are they going to take another small point guard, even though they really need defense? I'm pretty skeptical of that. And then on top of it, they just hired Monty McNair, who's the analytics director from the Houston Rockets. Are they really going to like hire the analytics guy and then take the anti-analytics player? I right. Don't really buy that. Uh, at number 10, New Orleans, they just took Kyra Lewis in the lottery last year. I, I don't think they're going to take like a second small point guard in a row. Number 11, Charlotte just took LaMelo ball last year. They have Devonte Graham. They have Terry Rozier. I actually quite like that fit next to LaMelo. I think that that's where like the range truly starts. If we're being honest, uh, just because Devonte's is a free agent, Terry Rozier's is a free agent next year. I-, I like that. I think it makes sense. Um, San Antonio is a million guards. Like, are they going to take another It's literally the only thing they don't need right now. Yeah, Yeah, like, are they going to take another one? Uh, Indiana has quite a few guards, at the very least. Like, And specifically, they have two very good high-level defensive point guards in Aaron Holiday and TJ McConnell. Again, I think they're probably a threat to just take him and take the best player available because they don't really have a roster hole. But look, like, you can make genuine, strong cases against taking Davion Mitchell with any of these teams from eight to 13. And that's why I've always thought like semi real chance he gets to 14, like in, in none of this uh, like accounts for, Hey, is there a chance that New York just loves him and sees him as like the future point guard of like the Knicks in trades right. up for him with 19 and 21. 
the Maybe. garden like the garden would love him absolutely it's very plausible i think yeah. yeah thibodeau would love him for god's sake like imagine that yes yeah i mean i think he's in play there um I wanted to talk I, if, oh, if ahead, you made sorry. me say, I don't think I, I think someone will trade up for him to like 11, 12, 13, and we'll get him ahead of the warriors. Cause I think teams will think that like the warriors would take him at 14. Right. But, so if he, yeah, if he hits that 11, 12 range, whoever loves him in the later part of the draft may move up. Right. But I mean, it's hard to project who that would be necessarily right now. So I, I don't think he will get to the warriors, but it's in the ballpark of like real possibility. Like it's a real possibility. I, I would not say Moses Moody getting to 14 is like a real possibility. Oh. I would say Davion Mitchell getting 14 is like a genuine chance. Yeah. You imagine, you imagine if Kaminga drops to seven and then Moody drops to 14, I think Warriors fans, I mean, it'd be better than winning the championship for some of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> at, just, least, at least based on the light years discord and the amount of love Moses Moody gets. Um, two more realistic <laughs> options at 14. I wanted to ask you about these two, Chris Duarte yeah. and Trey Murphy. Mm. Warriors are, working them both out together i believe on sunday maybe it's saturday but either sure, way they're let's, let's they're, go head to head we're br- they're bringing them both in second time yeah they're both three and d or projectable three and d role players in the nba correct yeah that's definitely the role can you um can you kind of describe the differences between the two other than duarte 66 and trey burphy 69 yeah so Duarte is a little bit better of like a team defender. He is a little bit more ready, I think, to come in and be utilized within NBA actions. Like he knows how to come off of a flare screen. He knows uh, how to like flatten out behind a dribble handoff and like hit a three, right? Um, Just a little bit more polished in the way that he's able to create his shots. Uh, And defensively, Really, really smart team defender. Never, ever in a million years misses rotations. Uh, very aggressive, active with his hands. Not quite as long as Trey Murphy, obviously. Only has a six seven ish wingspan, we think. Um, but overall, really good player. Uh, someone that I think would come in and like have an immediate rotation spot on the Warriors. Like I, I genuinely believe that. Forty uh, percent three point shooter, high level defender, good enough athlete to play. Like this is not a Jacob Evans deal where Jacob Evans just did not have like the requisite athleticism to play in the NBA. Um, Chris Duarte has that. That would not be a worry. Um, Trey Murphy, on the other hand, also Duarte can like handle the ball a little bit. He's not a high level passer right now, but he can handle it and can like actually make some. He makes escape decisions very well. He's a bit of an errant passer but like is good enough at it to where i think like steve kerr would be like okay we're good right um trey murphy i think is a more projectable like 43 percent potential three-point shooter i also think his defensive upside is a little bit higher i actually loved the tape on him defensively i i was really a big fan I thought that his ability to slide and stay in front of guys was exceptional for someone at that size. Uh, He's really good body mechanics. He's really good hip flexibility. Like everything there is going to work well. So why has he been, Yeah, why has he he been such a late riser? Because six, nine, I mean, there's a big difference between six, nine and six, five, six, six, particularly if you're talking about like can legitimately guard like lead guards. Yeah. So, I mean, look, like, I don't know if I feel good, great about him on like lead guards. Sure. I feel like I, I'm not saying like throw him on Damian Lillard, but like right. you can throw him like on two through four and feel pretty Luka good. Doncic. So yeah. the thing with Trey, the thing well, good with luck, get good luck to anyone. Well, right yeah. Now. But <laughs> you know, probably a better, just a bigger guy, slower. Yeah. But anyway, go. Ahead. So the reason that he came up the board late this year is he's kind of like a pop-up guy. He was not at Virginia to start his career. He was five foot eight as a freshman in high school was like six foot two as a sophomore, six foot five as a junior. And then like six foot eight by the time his senior season ended and was like a late, late bloomer physically in terms of the, just like getting to the point where he was, you know, actually a real prospect ended up going to rice for two years was good at rice. Like immediately and decided to transfer to Virginia 
And at Virginia this year, he shot 44% or whatever and 95 from the line and um, everything was real. But the other part of this is like, I don't feel comfortable when he puts the ball on the ground. Like I do not feel comfortable when he's dribbling. I'm not saying that like, okay, he can't like take a side dribble and escape pass or take a side like relocation dribble off of a heavy closeout and like he'll turn the ball over. But like, I don't feel good about him attacking closeout and making good decision off of that. Like, I, I don't know that he'd be able to hit like the right, like, I don't think he'd be able to pump fake, attack a closeout, see where the help defense is coming from while still controlling the ball and then making like the right kick out read at all. Like, so, I don't know that he can do that yet. So would it be fair to say um, Duarte or he? sorry, Murphy projects more as like a pure catch and shoot guy, like the way yeah. the Rockets would use Trevor Reza or well, that's like half their roster, yeah. really. Uh, well, whereas that's the exact name that I've been using is Trevor. Oh, wow. Reza, okay. I think. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Duarte is someone you could see coming off of a pin down or off of yes. a flare screen being kind of more of a movement based shooter. But, the, but it, it feels like Duarte also has a more of a attack dribble game, too. I mean, maybe yes. I just. No, all, that's all right. Like God, Duarte, those two can guys are better. so good for the Warriors. Though. Yeah, go ahead. Just they those are. guys are just perfect for the Warriors. They, they really are. Like if the Warriors like traded down from seven to pick up like additional assets or something like that, and they ended up with like Chris Duarte, Trey Murphy. Like if they would do like seven for sixteen, eighteen, and like a future first from Oklahoma City or some shit, right? <laughs> um, like if they ended up with Chris Duarte, Trey Murphy, and Jared Butler, like they they would have a bench unit next year. Like that would be their entire team uh, off the bench next year. It's a real, it's a real pick your poison stylistically between Duarte and Murphy then really, because they both, they both project to be productive three and D players. One can guard bigger guys, uh, but he's more of a stationary spot up threat on offense. The other guy can do a little more on offense, but is Duarte, Duarte looks more like six, five to me, honestly, like he's, he's, He'll guard. I, I just don't see him being someone who's going to be able to like switch onto fours the way maybe Trey Murphy can. No, yeah, he's not going to be able to do that. More but one, he's going to be able to guard one, three. Drafting yeah. pitch trap pick fours, yeah. No, yeah, but and, I, and like, look, like he'll he'll be able to deal with like perimeter fours. Yeah, sure. Like, you know, like not like I'm trying to think of like a four. Like he's he can't. Michael Green, on. a spot up shooter. Yeah. I mean, that's well, like, where you yeah, put he, Stefan. He, he could deal with Jamichael. Like he, sure. he's not gonna be able to deal with like Demonis Sabonis when he's at the four, like right. when Miles Turner's there, right? Um, not gonna be able to deal with I'm trying to think of like another. Like, I don't think he'd fare well on Aaron Gordon. Like Aaron Gordon's just bigger and stronger and more explosive. Whereas someone like Trey Murphy would have a chance on those guys after he got acclimated in the NBA. Yeah, and gets stronger. I mean, I mean, like he he's still very thin, Trey. Just ah, that's because right, again, yeah. like still growing into a frame that he's like just grown into in the last two years. So yeah, I think Trey's upside is very real. Trey's very bouncy too. Like has some real athletic pop that um, on these like cutting actions that the Warriors like to run, like he would throw down some real like dunks that would be fun. Yeah. Makes sense. That's That's a it's tough crazy decision how, which one you'd want. I know. Want. I was going to say, it's crazy how, like, more excited. I'm looking at Sam's face, uh, <laughs> my co-host. <laughs> then at the 14th pick, that I, it, it, it's the 7th pick is... It's safer. It, that's why it's exciting it, to you. It, it feels <laughs> right, like there's yeah. more upside, right? Book Knight could be Donovan Mitchell, or or he could be, you know, out of the league in a year, in three years. But, wow. but you know, or the other guy. <laughs> that's dramatic. But, like, that feels like that 7th pick is is maybe more upside what the Warriors are going to go for. And then 14th, it just sounds like, yeah, it's, that'll be a role player for eight years in the NBA. Just feels he'll, like he'll with either one of those options, the Warriors could get a guy that they could give 15 to 20 minutes a game yeah. to yeah. year one, which, yeah. which, which is, is useful. Whereas someone like book Knight or Kuminga Wiseman, it'd be a little bit of a roller coaster <laughs> year one. It definitely little, would be a yeah. little bit of a uh, Steph rolling his eyes as uh Kuminga goes into like a three dribble move as Steph is wide open type of situation. Like, like there's a situation where the Warriors, if they use both picks, Kaminga is in the G League 
and Chris Duarte is playing backup point guard like minutes. Like that's very real. That would happen. Shooting guard. Yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> that would like, happen. Yeah. Whichever yeah. one. Like Paul and Duarte would be fun in the backcourt off the bench, and then Kaminga could just shoot thirty times with Wiseman in the G League. Like they'd be best friends. They would just go ISO <laughs> together all day long. Like that would be. I mean, I'll take. I- I'm telling you, I think James Wiseman is going to be. Uh, I think he's going to be fine next year. That's where. Yeah, I'm. I'm I'm really bummed. Sam's high on him. I'm bummed on his uh, the meniscus injury because I really thought this summer was going to be just huge for him. Like the, he was going to yeah. get he was going to get the time he never got with last year's weird ass COVID, you know, right. condensed camp season, and so kind of sucks. So I don't really know, but what 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 it means for him at the beginning of next year. But I, I'm with you. I could see Wiseman midway through next year, like really starting to figure it out in a way that. Uh, you know, he didn't in year one in that weird season. Um, yeah, that's how Sam, I feel. yeah, let's one last question before, uh, before we get you out of here. Uh, is there anyone we haven't discussed today who you think is in play uh, realistically for the Warriors at seven or 14, maybe more so 14? I'm not talking about like the weird yeah. scenario where like Jalen Suggs falls or something, but like um, Mouse Turner. <laughs> I, I would like i would bet you they at least consider usman garuba like just as a ridiculous defender that like would immediately be able to play for them uh the spanish dream on green yeah uh, i'm trying to think like, i i got such a kick out of um watching the team usa spain game and uh, I can't remember. It might have been Kevin Dana said something about like, oh, he's his defense is regarded like Draymond. And then the next possession, he uh, he shoots a three, and it looks exactly like Draymond shooting it, where it's like a catapult oh, completely yeah. off target. So <laughs> the funniest thing I think I saw in any of those exhibition games was Rob Perez on Twitter said something like, after a Draymond floater attempt, he was like, that ball sounded like a wet burrito coming off of the <laughs> backboard. <laughs> Yeah, I that uh that running hook that he yeah. Anyway, we don't need to go into that. All right, let's talk about uh Garuba. That's someone we have not talked about all drafts. Yeah, season. like I would just venture that they at least look at him. I, I okay. don't know. Like I haven't heard anything about if they're interested or not. Like that's just being real. Like I don't know if they're interested. Well, he's got the Draymond Green comparisons because of his defense. Is is that is that a potential thing, or is he like actually a very high level defender? I think he is the best teenage pick and roll defender I've ever evaluated as a big. Oh wow! Okay. I think he is absolutely unbelievable at it. Like the way that he plays, like the cat and mouse game between, and these are like seasoned guards, like fucking like Sergio Rodriguez and like the CA Mitsich, like super high level guards that he's playing mm-hmm. against and the way that like he can bait them into try and throw the lob and then drops back like at the perfect second and goes up and deflects it or like just straight that's, up grabs it out of the air. That's like Draymond's it, calling card right there, baiting yeah. guards, uh, playing cat yeah, and mouse yeah. and pick and roll. So it, it's for him to be as good as he is at that already is like mind blowing to me. Um, just defensive it's, instincts off the chart, basically. Yeah. Um, it's very switchable, can play a variety of different pick and roll coverages. Like you can look, you don't want him necessarily out on an island. And I think that like that's like people were real excited. It's like they Spain at times like had him like go out onto an island against Damian Lillard and, and like some of these cards. That's like people I think don't understand that like the international court is so drastically different than the NBA court and being placed on an Island in the international game is very, very different than being placed on an Island in the NBA when you're 28 feet from the rim, as opposed to 22 feet from the rim. Uh, There's just so much more space that you have to cover as a defender. And it's so hard uh, to do that in the NBA. So like, I'm not saying that like you want him out on an Island against Damian Lillard or anything like that, but he'd avail himself better than most bigs out there. I think the, the more you talk about it, the more it sounds like he is similar to uh, someone I did like a lot last year, um, a Kongwu. 
Um, maybe I'm way off base, but just defensively, someone that can be just really good. And, and especially in today's NBA, you don't, uh, you just you just don't need someone to score as a big. Like you pro- prefer you prefer them not to unless they're elite three point shooters. So he's just a rim runner defensive guy. Maybe that's who he is um, as so, well. So the the concern there, I would say, like a Kongwu had like legit like pop, right? Like he is a leaper. Like he can go up, really and like them, grab ball yeah. and, and like high point it. Garuba isn't really that like he's not like a pick and roll dynamo at six foot eight that like mm. is going to high point the ball over every Draymond he, comparisons. Continue. <laughs> he, he's like a fine leaper. He's not like an incredible. Leaper, sure. Though. Okay. Um, the guy that like, it's almost like more athletic, like Xavier Tillman almost oh god don't like boy, more you, you know not to bring that in it just <laughs> god the one guy who doesn't make shots and makes the biggest shot of his career in the play-in game the right. <laughs> and like improving as a three-point shooter yeah. like still yeah. trying to figure that part of his game out obviously like yeah. I, I think he's better i think he's better version of xavier tillman basically and i love tillman last year like i had him at like 23 on my he's a good player uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have garuba at like 11 i'm an enormous fan wow Offensively, it's basically purely on the defensive side. <laughs> you know, my my only concern with that is like the last thing the Warriors need is another front court player who can't do anything on offense. Yeah. Like we we got we got Draymond. I mean, Draymond's an excellent passer, but the scoring has declined, and Looney uh, it was never there to begin with. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, yeah. They like need th- to... this is the this is only a thing you do if you're moving Looney. I think. Got it. Okay. So is he at this point, there's just not much offensive game there for Garuba. Trying to improve the three point shot, very good offensive rebounder and has some like, look like he can grab and go a little bit and and, like dribble in the open court and make like some hit ahead passes and like make the right reads. And you can use them as like a release valve and short rolls. Right. Uh, not to the extent that you can like where Dre is like slicing and dicing teams, like in sure. these four on three advantage situations, but like you can do it where he's going to be fine. Like if he releases, like if, if a team comes out and blitzes Steph like 30 feet from the basket and he releases to the top of the three point line and takes two dribbles and then has to stop and like make a read, he can do that. Like he'll probably get that right. Like, 70% of the time, like something like that, like not all the time, but um pretty good at it, I would say. Interesting name. I you thought he was gonna say like Sangoon or something. That's I think you oh I mean like I if Shangoon's there at 14, they should take him. Yeah, like uh, he's awesome, like he's just really good at basketball. I, I see I see some... I just don't know what you do with it. Like on the one hand, being that high level with the pick and roll is probably the most important skill for a big defensively mm-hmm. uh but on the other hand it's like the one thing the warriors do not need is another big man who has no functionality on offense like they're literally so- the only thing i would want them to avoid at this point so unless unless they're moving dre for uh for ben simmons <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah i'm totally just fucking with fans <laughs> like i'm like not serious about that at all <laughs> Steph might take his chase center statue and uh ship and, and walk over to Charlotte with that thing. He might and, fucking uh, walk, walk on water to Australia and like stab <laughs> me for suggesting that. Like. <laughs> oh, well, uh, Sam, I think that's, I think we've got all the names. Do we go through like what? 15 names there. I don't think there's any more that the warriors could actually, if the warriors end up drafting, like, Keon Johnson or something, and that's the one we missed that we didn't talk about. Then, well, so be it. But I'm I think just gonna, I'm got- just gonna be mad at you and me because we've 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 been doing draft stuff for the last <laughs> month consistently, and Keon Johnson's really the one guy we're like, yeah, they're not picking him. No way. <laughs> we're just sitting here like, no fucking way. Yeah, we can't yeah, just so. no, no, no. We appreciate you, Sam. Sam, appreciate yeah, you as always. Guys. Anything, uh, anything you got coming out special this week uh, that you want to plug other than the draft guide i'm still working my way through that you put out last week <laughs> yearly yearly i think so that yeah amazing. the yearly draft guide it's like one hundred and thirty thousand words this year i i wrote i think like 106 profiles unfortunately and uh a hundred got published because kofi coburn decided to declare for the draft and then not declare for the draft thanks kof uh thanks <laughs> mccurr maker 
like shout out to you guys. Well, uh, then you can, you've, you've already got six for next year. Done. Boom. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Gabriel Pratida is, uh, is on the board already. Uh, from there you go. So, uh, yeah, no, go download the draft guide. It, it's, it's a labor of love every year, like 140 pages of draft prospect breakdowns, uh, is I really genuinely every year try to do like the most comprehensive best thing on the market. Uh, and it's just, I, I have, I'm a voracious consumer of draft content and I have not seen anything like it. And I would be happy to say if I thought someone was doing better work, uh, it's, it's absolutely the most comprehensive thing that you will find on the market. So you can read that with a subscription to the athletic where there's like a 50% off promo right now, if you subscribe and do it. So yeah, I would say that, I mean, I have a mock draft coming. I've who the hell else knows next week. It's going to get wild. Get some sleep um, or not. Uh, now, I, I will say like on, so the draft guide went live, I think Wednesday, it was Thursday here. Um, I ended up, I was like, kind of like, you know, on edge a little bit, just cause you never know how these things are going to perform. Right. Um, it did like, great. Like, thank you guys for, uh, subscribing and everything. Um, but like, I, I took like a two and a half hour nap in the middle of the day on Thursday. I, I just like totally passed out like in the middle of the day. I was like, was I actually, cannot. That was actually going to be my wow. first question for you, but the, the Bradley Beal stuff got us too excited. Yeah. Are you even sleeping <laughs> between now and the draft? Like, cause you're, you're, you're operating in like eight different time zones at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. I got like five hours last night. Um, oh, solid, um, solid for busy um, season. Yeah. I, I try to get, at least six most nights i would say um like this morning i woke up at like 6 45 here um after going to bed at like one o'clock 1 30 something like that so um you know yeah just just no no drinking right now other than like the occasional like beer or two because then i will like die but <laughs> the only the only person working harder than the warriors front office trying to appease Stephen Draymond. Sam, <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> Sam, appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.